0: At Harrisburg and Washington. Lies, lies, lies. Thank you so much. Uh, we have asked for and received an opportunity to talk to Jeff McCausland, retired U.S. Army Colonel, served as Dean of, the, of Academics at the U.S. Army War College, and also as a private consultant and a CBS News analyst. So, good morning, Jeff. Thanks and for coming. And an making. author. You forgot he's an author. Well, he's an author, right. <laughs> Joe loves your book. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, we wanted to talk about the war crimes. Tell us about this uh, these new allegations. Does that actually Change anything? And how do you prove them, Jeff?
1: Well, first of all, it's great to be with you guys. But the this horrific war crime that we've now seen in Bucha, as the uh, Ukrainian forces have reasserted control of this town, are just astonishing. Uh, the signs of bodies laying in streets, people with their hands uh, tied behind their back, which appear to have suffered execution-style killing after torture, just is a uh, heart-wrenching and soul-wrenching. <coughs> How we go about proving this, of course, investigations are ongoing, uh, sponsored by the International Criminal Court, uh, by the uh, head prosecutor in Ukraine, and of course, it's being documented very heavily by the media and exposed to the world as a whole to demonstrate what the Russians have, in fact, done here. Uh, how we go forward with this, of course, is the International Criminal Court will conduct an investigation and would have jurisdiction over people who committed these particular crimes question is, of course, you have to prove exactly, specifically, who did this at an individual level. That'll take an enormous amount of time, unfortunately. Uh, if, in fact, they are successful and they do know which Russian units were in the area, maybe the possibility of prosecuting some of these folks. There's a possibility that some of them uh, may either now or later uh, actually be prisoners of war, and if they are, they could be p- fairly easily prosecuted in the aftermath of this conflict. Longer term, will you be able to gain access to these individuals, and prosecuted, of course, as more problematical. And then, as you go up the chain of command, because the question is, was this done by a renegade unit? It does not appear so based on how this has occurred across the country. Or is this more systematic and more directed by uh, Moscow, which is what the Ukrainians certainly claim? Then the question will be how you hold people at the highest level responsible all the way up to Vladimir Putin. <clears throat> the, the possibility of prosecuting him or getting him in the docket, obviously. Is going to be extremely difficult. But in the short term, at least, there's m- mounting pressure, I think, on the international community on just how horrific this uh, unnecessary aggressive war prosecuted by the Russians is. And that hopefully will r- result in more countries coming online to support sanctions and other efforts against the Russians. Now, am speaking particularly like countries like China and India, very large countries that have kind of sit on the fence so far. And, of course, it'll spur I think greater effort on the part of the international community, United States and NATO countries especially, to provide additional military assistance to the Ukrainians in defending their country against this Russian invasion.
2: Well, let's say we give Vladimir Putin the benefit of a doubt he doesn't deserve and that he was not aware that his forces were doing this. But given proof that they did or that it did happen, would you expect him to take the high road and and perhaps uh, discipline these units, or would you expect him to try and cover it up?
1: Unfortunately, that's easy to answer. He'll go to the latter. He's already doing that. I mean, there's going to be a U.N. Security Council meeting, I think, today, to discuss these particular atrocities. I think Mr. Zelensky is supposed to address the UN uh, uh, and expose these particular atrocities to that particular body. Uh, the Russians have already come out with that at the UN but with their ambassador as well as elsewhere and saying this is all fabricated, this is untrue, uh, the bodies were brought in from elsewhere, uh, the Ukrainians actually did it themselves, just like the Ukrainians are actually shelling their own cities, of course, as we see artillery rounds and missile fire hit residential areas, the Russians are always claiming that that's not their forces. The Ukrainians are actually uh, conducting these false attacks on their own people, obviously pretty preposterous. That's the line of lies that the Russian government will perpetrate.
2: So if Putin, if Putin had knowledge of it beforehand, that would be a difficult thing to prove, wouldn't it? Or if he condoned it?
1: That would be a very difficult thing to prove. Uh, uh, obviously that has been done in past. Uh, going up to the chain of command, one might think of um, people like Milodich, um, uh, Karadich, uh, and others in the wars in the Balkans. Uh, but but uh, it certainly seems possible. It certainly seems like the Ukrainians are adamant about pursuing an investigation of these particular atrocities, wherever that investigation may lead.
0: What can you say as what do you call the state of the invasion? We know the Russians have advanced and then pulled back, and you know it's a slog everywhere they go. Um, as a strategist, what do you make of this?
1: Well, what I make of it is that their initial plan, which was a political decapitation of the government, capturing Kiev, taking down the Zelensky government, installing a new government, more favorable to them, that is, has that is totally failed. And the assumption they'd be able to do that quickly obviously has proved to be totally, totally untrue. And so now they're, they're, re- they're really retreating. They'll call it repositioning. They're retreating, pulling their forces back out of Ukraine, realizing that multiple avenues of advance that they conducted was not sustainable based on the resistance and based on the forces and based on the logistical sale that they created. And they're going to concentrate their efforts now in the south and the east, particularly in the Lohansk and Donetsk area of the Donbass region, in effort to try to secure that area. And then also Secure that uh, that land bridge that connects Russia proper to the Crimea, and that'll mean continued emphasis and bombardment of Mariupol, which has now been at uh, relentless bombing and, and relentless shelling for weeks on end. Uh, even though there are still 100,000, I think, civilians trapped in Mariupol, to see if they can secure that corridor. Uh, at that point in time, perhaps we might see the Russians suddenly announce a ceasefire. Uh, and argue for negotiation if they were successful in that particular military endeavor and try to negotiate from a position of strength.
2: Well, the Biden administration has said it's going to give another $850 million worth of aid to them. Is there any way for us as just folks looking at this situation to be able to tell whether or not the aid that we're supposedly sending has had an impact?
1: Well, I think we can tell already that the aid is having an impact. I mean, the Javelin missile system has come to the United States and the NATO countries had a devastating effect on russian armor there also been very clear evidence that our stinger air defense weapons have had a, a devastating effect uh, as well on russian aircraft so there's clear evidence that uh has been affected but we're going to have to do more as this war progresses i think we're going to see a changing character in the military assistance that we're going to need to provide if the ukrainians are going to be able to re- now go on a counteroffensive and reassert control of some of the land areas outside of the major cities, then they're gonna need things like armor, they're gonna need things like higher altitude air defense, they're gonna need probably improved artillery. Uh, there's some uh, discussion of transferring uh, T-72 tanks, which the Ukrainians are familiar with, from some of our NATO partner countries like Bulgaria and Slovakia, that has some of these older weapon systems, which are older but effective, and ones that, like I say, the Ukrainians are familiar with and can quickly integrate into their forces.
2: Well, Jeff, the president has said that they, these sanctions were never intended to deter. That's what he said now, but originally all the administration was talking about sanctions were a deterrent. Do you see any signs that the Russians are being crippled or even hindered by what's what we've done so far, and what more do we need to do?
1: Well, there is evidence that, that things are not going well in Moscow, and they're not going to get any better in terms of the economy. Inflation rates are described to be about uh, 20%. We saw the ruble go down, though it has rebounded. Uh, somewhat. they've only re- reopened their stock market in a limited fashion. But the problem obviously with sanctions is they've taken off a long time to have an effect. Uh, but the more and more countries that we can get to involved in the sanction and make that net, that net tighter and tighter, obviously is going to cause that those effects to be stronger and cause those effects to happen more quickly.
0: And uh, this idea that uh, President Putin is not getting accurate information from his generals, they're shielding him from the truth. Your thoughts on that uh, report last week?
1: Yeah, that was interesting to me and a demonstration, I think, of how the administration, I think, is using their intelligence pretty effectively by, you know, revealing things that, heretofore in a war, one might think you would not uh, not talk about. Obviously, that's Comes from pretty significant intelligence. It obviously uh, underscores the problem Mr. Putin has. It obviously challenges whether or not his his chain of command is being effective and how effective they are in keeping him informed about how the war uh, is in fact proceeding. And hopefully, then uh, can cause him if those if that reaches him, of course, to rethink what his efforts are and who he's actually listening to. It's clear that Putin has isolated himself. Had done that even prior to this due to the pandemic, and had people, you know, spending two weeks in isolation only to have a brief meeting with him. So those people who have access and can provide him advice and influence him are obviously very few in number.
0: Any particular timely remark about the war in Ukraine? Maybe we didn't ask you a question that would lead to something obvious to you that we might not see or ask about. Anything else to
1: add? I think the one thing I think everybody needs to keep in mind is, Well, I would say two things. One is that the moral clarity of this particular war, to me, is so crystal clear. You know, we've seen a lot of wars in our lifetimes. But in terms of who is the aggressor, who attacks someone for no reason, and who is committing outright, you know, war crimes in the clearest understanding of international law, and it's very clear that Russia is the perpetrator It's The moral clarity, there's no moral equivalence in any way, shape, or form on, on this particular conflict. The second thing I think we need to keep in mind is, as this war goes on, there's a real difference in viewpoint. If we were in Russia right now, uh, first of all, we'd be arrested for saying war in in the Ukraine because that's a crime, believe it or not. But furthermore, the average Russian watching Russian TV, this is described to him or her as a war between Russia and the West. The West is out to undermine Russia. The West is out to destroy Russia. Whereas here in the United States, as we go about our day-to-day activities, while we're saddened, perhaps, by these activities, or by these events, we view it, the average American views this, as a war between Ukraine and Russia at a far distant place. And it seems to me the difference in perspective, one Russian seeing it as a war between Russia and, and West, us, and us seeing it as a war at a distance between Ukraine and Russia, I find it to be a, a curious phenomenon and perspective on this particular war.
2: One last question, Jeff. The United Nations, what's their role in this? Are they being effective, or are they just as weak as they appear to be?
1: Well, the United Nations is as effective as everybody wants to make the United Nations effective. And one of the big stumbling blocks is, as it was constructed at the end of the Second World War, the Russians are on the Security Council, and the Russians have a veto. And as long as that's the case, can the United United Nations take action? It's going to be extremely uh, difficult. That being said, the fact that we had something like 140 countries uh, condemn Russia and the General Assembly has an enormous mean- meaning internationally in galvanizing support for sanctions, galvanizing support for Ukraine. I think that <clears throat> that uh, voice over and over is going to be very, very important. Other areas, obviously, the U.N. High Commission on Refugees is have, going to have an enormous uh, effect because we're sitting here at this moment with 4 million Ukrainian refugees outside of Ukraine six and a half million refugees displaced people at least inside Ukraine you know ha- think about it. half of the children of the country of Ukraine now are refugees away from their home so the various agencies of the United States Nations are going to play an enormous effort I think in trying to deal with this disaster created by the Kremlin
0: all right well thank you so much for your thank analysis you. and your remarks always appreciate it great to check in with you
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Take care, Jeff. Jeff McCausland, a CBS News, military analyst, of course retired U.S. Army Colonel, Dean of the of academics at the U.S. Army War College, uh, teaches at Dickinson and is uh, also
2: has a Ph.D. So we can call him Doctor Colonel
0: and author. Don't, <laughs> author, Don't forget right. author. All
2: right. No, I won't forget that. All
0: right. One 9565 nine five nine five six five. We'll take a speedy dialer to wrap us up by seeing. Somebody sent us a clipping. We got three texts and one email. So we'll read those when we return.